0: Some common sense. Yes,
1: sir. They have the car stopped in 10 in Grant's bike fighter.
2: We still don't know who pulled the trigger.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired sergeant, 27 year old of the NYPD. And with me tonight, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil?
2: I'm doing good, Billy. But how about you? How are you feeling, pal?
0: I'm feeling better. I'm getting better every day, a little stronger every day. You know, it's uh it it it's a you know, this is three years since my last one, and uh for you guys that are just tuning in I had a, a new hip uh, a, a right hip and three years ago I had my left hip and I didn't remember how intrusive and painful it was but I'm being reminded now <laughs> but uh, you know you're three years older it's three years more difficult but I don't want to talk about me let's talk about the show you and know, I really miss so miss doing the show and I didn't do it for a week i feel like uh, you know you have a whole friendship base and uh, talking to the the fans or uh, the subscribers and missing doing this and uh Richella pranzo is a good example hello Richella and I know lieutenant Pete's in the chat good people and uh you know it's it's just something that once you get a habit of doing you and you don't do it you you, you so miss it you know and um we got good things going you know Phil and I we, we got we're actually gonna um be starting another channel very soon that's going to be a little bit different than this one it's going to basically be real crime stories with Sergeant Bill and detective Phil but we're gonna have shorter pieces on it and uh, you know we're going to try to integrate it with this channel and uh have it grow from there and we'll see what happens you know never say never never try uh say no
2: to something different right phil absolutely uh big believer in that and uh billy it's 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 terrible that you were gone for the week i feel like i was like a fish out of water i was (laughs) trying to scramble to do a couple little short videos but uh glad you're back and glad you're feeling better and let's get into this one
0: yeah you know we early on uh, this is a the um the Murdoch family uh, from South Carolina. And they're like a noted uh, multimillion dollar family, maybe billion dollar family that ran the law practice basically in this community for over a hundred something years. In fact, they were the district attorney besides having their own private law firm, but real, real, real dirty stuff started to happen. And uh, we, we ran on this case, I'd say I don't know, six, nine months ago, but it's sort of back in the news. We're just going to touch upon it again. It got a tremendous amount of interest the first time. I I think it's sort of waning a little bit, but as the story comes around and you start seeing some of the things that we were talking about at the very beginning, we were right on target with what we thought happened is in fact what did happen.
2: Absolutely, Billy. Uh, You know, uh, there has been some updates on this case. For instance, um, his attorney, uh, Alec Murdoch's attorney, says that he's now considered a person of interest, is what he called him, by the police in the double homicide of his wife and his son. Now, I was watching the news earlier today, and they were talking about a different case. But this defense attorney said, well, you know, I love when the police use that term A person of interest. They mean suspect. No, no, no. That's the media that started that term for the most part. And Bill and I have said it numerous times. We've called it out. Person of interest is a suspect. Uh, so now he's officially named as a suspect in that. There's so many different things going on with this case, but we'll try to dig into some of them. Uh, Gloria Satterfield is one of the things that has a recent development. I guess, Bill, you're going to play that. Uh, you're going to play Five that. Yeah. started
3: out as a search in a small Alabama town, and now it is nationwide. Uh, police in Alabama and elsewhere. You got the wrong one, Billy. That's the dangerous, escaped a dangerous inmate. inmate. Oh, okay. Also I'm sorry. Also, a suspected murderer who faces the death.
0: Wow, that was embarrassing. <laughs> no, you know
2: what? The other one was up first, and I think when you clicked it, uh, it clicked. It changed the to the other one. Yeah. Authorities yeah. say there. One
0: to... second. Uh, no, that's not the exact
4: one either. It's. it's well, it's, it's...
2: basically, we're going yeah, to. It's, yeah,
0: it's this one right here.
2: Okay.
4: Examine the body of Gloria Satterfield in the coming weeks as part of the ongoing investigation into her death four years ago. The original
5: police report called Gloria Satterfield's death natural and no autopsy was performed.
4: This is the latest twist in a southern saga involving a series of deaths of individuals close to Murdoch in multiple indictments against the lawyer for financial fraud. Former South Carolina Attorney General Charlie Condon telling NBC News after Murdoch's arrest in the fall.
6: Uh, It's just very difficult to see how he would not be serving a very long, Prison
4: at the time, the Murdoch said her death was an accident and that she tripped over the family dogs and fell down the stairs. But now authorities are questioning the incident. Her family alleging last fall that Murdoch never paid them the $2 million he agreed to pay out to her estate as part of a settlement over her death at the family's home. Satterfield's family telling Craig Melvin on Dateline last fall.
1: She felt like they were family. We thought they were family. I think they are family. What
7: did Alec Murdoch see to you after after your mom died
0: you know phil i always say that to um to my wife and to my kids when someone says to you you're like family you're not family unless you are family and that yeah. happens to be the absolute 100 percent truth but people love to use that expression oh you're just like family but yeah, you're not we've heard that uh, one before. but you're not
4: family Um, that he would, you know, take care of us and stuff and kind of look out for us. This all after last June, when Murdoch's wife, Maggie and son, Paul, were found shot and killed. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division has suggested their deaths were homicides, but have made no arrests related to their killings. And just months later, Murdoch's attorney alleging Murdoch hired a hitman to kill Murdoch himself so that his surviving son could collect his $10 million life insurance policy. That alleged scheme Led to his arrest for insurance fraud. Murdoch's attorney, after his arrest for financial fraud, saying,
6: He has indicated clearly uh, that he is going to try to right every wrong, uh, financial wrong, uh, and others that uh, that that he may have committed. Look, he's reconciled to the fact he's going to prison.
4: The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division telling NBC News they received permission from a Satterfield estate lawyer to exhume her body and further investigate the circumstances of her death. We've reached out to the lawyer, but have not gotten a response.
2: Yvonne joins us now from the studio. Vaughn, so far, just financial fraud charges, but are there any other charges coming down the
4: pipeline? Right. Alec Murdoch, it's important to note, is yet to be charged with assault or murder. These are purely financial and insurance fraud charges. That said, when we're talking about the Satterfield family here and that multi-million dollar settlement that was supposed to go to the Satterfield estate, there has been an agreement between Murdoch's lawyer and the family estate for a. million resolution, essentially to hand that money over to the Satterfields while their mother's body is being exhumed. At this point in time, though, that's going to come down to a court-appointed receiver to actually make that transaction go through. And to this time, we have not been told whether that has happened or not.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'll trust that one. And uh, he he tried to steal their settlement with their estate. So yeah, uh, let's let him
2: hold on to the money. (laughs) <laughs> you, you know what billy it was a little bit more than than what the uh, reporter laid out there too because initially she dies in the house and they uh they ruled a death he said it was ruled natural it was ruled accidental that she tripped and fell down the stairs you and i both know that natural would not fall into that category it was ruled, ruled an accident and they never did an autopsy so that's right off the bat kind of suspicious right there uh i guess the uh the details that were given by Alec Murdoch or whoever was home in the house, they bought it. They went along with it. Apparently the uh, medical examiner at the time didn't think that a, a, an autopsy was necessary uh, based on the facts that they were putting forward. So now uh, it takes a lot of uh, information to get a exhumation, uh, you know, past the district attorney's office or the prosecutor's office. So I, I'm sure the family's going to go along with it because they want to get to the bottom of it. But then when they, uh, uh, after she died, he approaches the family and says, listen, you guys can sue me. I'll handle it with my friend another attorney. And, uh, yeah. you know. You know, I'll- Jacobian Myers, you. we're going to jump in and handle it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He got one of his boom bars to basically take the case and sued his own insurance company for the death of this woman falling in the house, which is labeled an accident. So it all kind of makes sense. But then he doesn't give them one penny of the money. He got, I believe he got two or three different settlements. There were checks that, he, you know, he, he put them into his own escrow account. And then he created another account uh, that had a similar name to- uh these uh, structured settlements go into uh, like a, a, a firm and he created a, a, a similar account with that type of name and he wound up embezzling all the money. So now they're saying it's only fraud charges. However, I'm certain that based on the fact that there's no stam- statute limitations on murder, they're going to hit him with murder charges on the mother and the son. He's already named as a suspect. And now if they find something suspicious that they can prove in the Satterfield death, uh, there might be further charges there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of charges that this guy's going to have to deal with, 100%.
0: This is where we first started following the case on the screen. Victims
5: of last night shooting. I don't know what to make of it. uh, Real mysterious kind of murder.
6: He's not Don Corleone. There's not some mafia family out there.
8: Somebody stopped to help me. And when I turned my back, they tried to shoot me.
6: The Murda Murders, One Year Later.
5: Hello and thank you for joining us for a special edition of News 2, The Murdoch Murders One Year Later. I'm Riley Benson. A year ago, when many of us saw the headline, Paul and Margaret Murdoch Killed, we didn't know what to think, who was involved, or how deep this case would go. Now that same name, Murdoch, conjures images of crime scene tape, murder investigations in courtrooms. Today we're going to take a look at the rise and fall of Alec Murdoch, as well as the victims he's accused of taking advantage of, and where the murder investigation into his wife and son stand now. We want to begin our look back with a timeline of events, laying out how we got to where we are now. June 7, 2021, a year ago today, Paul and Margaret Murdoch, members of the widely known Murdoch family, were brutally murdered, but followed few could predict the unraveling of a family involving death, millions of dollars in missing money, and dozens of criminal charges, leaving us with more questions than answers. Tucked away in the low country lies a sleepy little town where fewer strangers and things are mostly quiet, away from the hustle and bustle of South Carolina's cities and beaches. It all changed in the matter of a few hours on June 7, 2021.
6: <laughs> now
5: a double homicide turning into the crime of the year. Murdoch. A call for help just after 10 p.m.
7: <laughs> Please hurry.
5: Alec Murdoch says he arrived home at his family's sprawling hunting property, finding a gruesome scene. I need the police
8: have to immediately. Really. My wife and Tom. Just got badly.
5: 22-year-old Paul Murdoch and his mother Margaret Murdoch were the victims of last night's shooting. That shooting occurred down this long driveway you see behind me. There's a shed. That's the general area. Those bodies were found. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division would lead the investigation. In the days following, investigators said there were no suspects, but also no threat to the community. It was an eyebrow raising statement for some, while others questioned exactly what happened behind these Colleton County gates. It tells me they made a
8: pretty quick uh, determination that this was a targeted killing, that the killers were only interested in these two victims. Um, that it was basically a professional assassination.
5: Few details released about the shooting. Or did you come home and find
3: them?
8: Nobody, I've been gone. I, I just came back.
5: Car towed from the property, and two guns were used in the shooting. Paul was shot to the chest and head with a shotgun. Maggie's death certificate still hasn't been released. I've been
8: up to it now. It's bad. <laughs> Nobody's. They're not. Neither one of them's moving.
5: Over the coming months, details about the investigation were limited. People in the Hampton community fearful to speak out about the Murdochs.
6: I don't want I don't know what to make of it. Um uh, real mysterious kind of murder.
5: Things reached a boiling point last September. Alec resigned from his family law firm, PMPED, for misappropriating funds. It was a day before I called to 911 for help. Did they actually shoot you or they tried to shoot you? They shot me. This time placed by Alec for himself. And somebody stopped to help me.
8: And when I turned my back, they tried to shoot me.
0: You know, Phil, someone in the chat, Brad R., he was addicted to OxyContin, and his relative was his dealer and the guy he paid to shoot him. This guy killed his son because the son was involved in the death case. Just a nasty ad- addict. Uh, Brad, I, you know... We had sort of um, unraveled a lot of those things, too. But I sort of felt early on that um, Alec himself killed his wife and his son. I didn't think anyone else did it. And then I think he just staged it to make it look like someone else did it. But your um, uh, hypothesis, I'll say, is as good as anyone else's. I don't know if you have evidence to back up that hypothesis, but um, it's as
2: good as anyone else's. Phil? Phil? Yeah, they're looking at him for the murder of his son and his wife based on his alibi falling apart. They have uh, already concluded that he was at the ranch during the time that they believe the murders took place. So uh, they're tying tying him to the location. Perhaps there'll be some physical evidence. I know that there was some uh, blood splatter on his clothing. Uh, It's called blowback. When you shoot someone at close range, uh, there's like a blowback towards you. They said that that's one of the uh, pieces of evidence that they're moving forward with looking at him as a suspect. So he was definitely present during the murder. I guess they have to figure out the part of whether this uh, relative of his, this guy that he had hired to shoot him, which I, I didn't believe half of that story. Basically, he says that the guy, he hired him to shoot him, and but the guy missed or the guy, you know, uh, graze wound. I think he wanted it to look that way. I don't think that this narcissist had the guts to, to off himself or to hire somebody to off himself. But I think they're trying to figure out if that person uh, was present during the murder or maybe actually pulled the trigger on those murders. So they're tying him to the murders already, which Bill and I kind of uh, felt that way right in the beginning of this thing. But there's so many other things, the uh, misappropriation of funds in the law firm. There's a lot of, um, there's
0: and, a lot of moving parts with this whole yeah, case. Yeah,
2: I exactly. Mean, there's a lot. He's, got, he's got
0: like 70 something
2: charges. So the the minute that there was the, uh, the shooting on the street, we yeah, the called shooting. that out
5: trouble for Ellen, serving as the beginning of a fall from grace for the once highly regarded attorney. Murdoch was left with two superficial gunshot wounds to his head, but it wasn't what it seemed. It would soon be discovered as a scheme to defraud his insurance company out of $10 million. Murdoch would be arrested for the first time receiving bond. Curtis Edward Smith, a longtime accomplice, client, and alleged drug dealer of Murdoch's, was charged for the shooting of Ellick. He quickly claimed it was staged. I didn't shoot him. Are you innocent of everything? Yeah. If I have shot him, he didn't did. dead. He's alive. The
0: news 2's Riley Benson was there this morning.
5: Brendan, like you mentioned, that was the second bond hearing today here at the Hampton County Detention Center. Curtis Smith was also put in front of a judge here at the Hampton County Detention Center. Murdoch would spend weeks in a Florida rehab facility while details of criminal activity, connected death investigations, and an opioid addiction began to bubble to the surface. All before SLED went back to Florida, extradited Murdoch to South Carolina, and arrested him again. While those representing Alec Murdoch seemed to be shocked with the judge's decision to deny his bond. With mounting allegations of financial crimes, Murdoch's attorneys made clear their client wasn't entirely innocent, but he had no involvement in the double murder of his wife and son.
8: He's not Don Corleone. There's not some mafia family out there. If there is, then I challenge Mr. Waters to indict him. By the end of 2021,
5: Murdoch faced dozens of charges, carrying more than 100 years in prison if found guilty, going before a judge who says Murdoch remains a threat to himself and the community before setting a record bond. Of course, Paul and Maggie Murdoch, not the only deaths tied to this family. The investigation also shedding light on other alleged victims including their former housekeeper who died at the Murdoch's home and a teenage girl who found herself out on the boat with the youngest of the Murdoch family. What bridge is Paul,
4: what bridge is this?
5: A chilling 911 call on a cold January night detailing a night of heavy drinking for a group of six underage friends. 911,
1: where's your emergency?
8: Please fire A We're in a boat crash on Arthur Street.
5: A boat allegedly driven by grossly intoxicated Paul Murdoch, traveling at high speeds, crashing into a bridge near Paris Island.
3: <laughs> Please send someone. Uh, no.
5: Records show the group boarded the boat and left a oyster roast just after midnight. Stopped at waterfront bars in Beaufort, Paul nineteen at the time bought drinks and shots at Luther's before meeting back up with the group and heading up Archer's Creek. There's six of us and one is missing. Who's missing? Uh, female
6: Mallory Beach.
5: Beach was knocked off the boat. Her body wouldn't be recovered until a week later. That investigation remains open. From one frantic scene detailed by a nine one one call to another. Nine
1: one one, where's your emergency?
5: Maggie Murdoch calling for help from the family's Moselle property February 26,
1: 2018.
4: My housekeeper has fallen and her head is bleeding. I cannot get her
5: up. Maggie Murdoch telling the 911 operator her housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, tripped and fell down eight brick stairs leading into the Murdoch's Moselle home.
1: Ma'am, she can't talk.
3: Okay, do you know
1: she's cracked
2: her head and there's blood on the concrete and she's bleeding out of her left ear? Satterfield
5: would spend weeks in the hospital. There's no autopsy. Her death ruled as natural causes. The family recently agreeing to allow Gloria's body
6: to be exhumed. When the coroner investigation opened up, it was just immediately closed and
3: declared.
0: Well, as you can see, this case is all over the place. And that's, uh, it goes back to where we started. The death of the housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. Everything somehow, you know, when people are slipping on bars of soap, you have to have, uh, A little suspicion into how that's happening, you know.
2: Billy, in the beginning of that clip you just played, that Curtis Edward Smith, he makes that statement. No, I didn't shoot him. Uh, if I had shot him, he'd have been dead. So that tells me that I think it's baloney that he hired him to kill him and he, ha- he missed. He got a graze wound. He's got one or two graze wounds in the head. Something more nefarious there happened. I think he intended to just injure himself with that whole incident. Maybe he was going to try and take the onus off himself. He knew the police were looking at him as a suspect in that double homicide of his wife and his son. So he wanted to make it look like someone was coming after him. But his story quickly fell apart. The car had run flat tires that he claimed he got a flat and all of that. And then they found the pocket knife where he stabbed the tires. So I would really, really think this is why they're looking into this uh, accidental death of uh, Gloria Satterfield to see if there was something more, uh, you know, uh, an autopsy would reveal uh, a better cause of death. Uh, based on, you know, uh, her falling down the stairs to see if the injuries that she sustained would be consistent with that. Now, they're saying that she fell down brick stairs. Uh, Normally, in a case like that, if you or I were responding, Bill, we would take photographs of that area. Uh, If we felt it was suspicious, we'd have crime scene respond and do that thing. You know, they would do uh, take all kinds of samples if there was any blood evidence or anything like that. So I don't know that that was done since it was ruled Basically, they're saying natural, but I believe it to be accidental. So uh, I think that the autopsy now, even though it's years later, may reveal uh, some some new results. Vicky VA, uh, good question. How would they benefit from the housekeeper's
0: death? Their insurance policy. They had like a $4 million insurance policy that they were, they were supposed to collect and give to her family. Instead, Alec Murdoch kept that money and they they have... There's a paper trail to that, so this guy's a dirt bag at every step of the way, you know. And um, it's just this whole case is pathetic. All you guys coming over from Duty Ron's show, welcome aboard! Thank you so much for um, for stopping by. This is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us the thumbs up, up, ring that bell. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and if you want to join our YouTube memberships. We have five different uh, levels at that, and you can support us there. You know, another case, we're we're not going to go all deeply into this case. We just wanted to let you know that it's still going on. We uh, covered this case early on, but What we want to talk about is the Caitlin. Bill, before you go, I
2: I just want to say one last thing Uh, about this case with Gloria Satterfield. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to make this point based on uh, Vicky uh, VA's question there. I mean, we don't know that she was intentionally killed to collect the insurance. She may have died in some type of uh, an altercation with someone in the house, or maybe they played a trick on her, the sons and they tripped her and fell and she wound up dying. We don't know the circumstances of what caused her, you know, what the motive was if she was killed. It may have been an accident, who knows, but they did uh, uh, take the funds and embezzle the funds that was supposed to go to the family through the insurance policy. So it could be uh, a crime of opportunity. She really does fall and they decide to, you know, uh, screw the insurance company and the family out of the money. Or it could have been something more nefarious where they targeted her during a fight or something like that. They throw her down the stairs and then they come up with this plan to collect the money. Fuzzy Doxy, thank you so much for the 999 Super Chat. Very much appreciated. Follow
0: the money, as always. Good job. Thank you, Fuzzy Doxy. Appreciate you. I appreciate all you guys in the chat. So we were what what I was talking about before Phil uh, went back to this case is that the case of um, Caitlin Armstrong, who shot and killed professional bicyclist Mo Wilson and then fled the jurisdiction. That happened, I believe, it was in the middle of May. So it's She's been at large for approximately a month, and uh, they, they don't seem to have a handle on where she is right now. And there's another caper for um, fugitive enforcement. I'm going to play a little bit of this on the screen.
1: Anna Mariah Wilson was a professional cyclist. She was staying with a friend in Austin ahead of a race. On May 11th, she was found in a home on Maple Avenue, unconscious from multiple gunshot wounds. Investigators are looking for Austinite Caitlin Armstrong in connection with the murder. According to the U.S. Marshal, she was a yoga teacher and a realtor. Armstrong is 5'8 and weighs about 125 pounds. According to police, Wilson had a relationship with a man that Armstrong was also involved with, cyclist Colin Strickland. An affidavit in the case shows that Wilson and Strickland swam at Deep Eddy Pool on May 11th. After that, they got dinner and he dropped her off at the house on Maple Avenue. Surveillance video shows an SUV leaving that house, and now authorities are trying to find the black Jeep Cherokee belonging to Armstrong. Austin police say they took Armstrong into questioning after the murder, but they say they couldn't arrest her because the birthday was wrong on the warrant and in the department system causing a legal discrepancy. Police say Armstrong flew to New York's LaGuardia Airport three days after the murder investigators believe she was dropped off at the newark airport on may 18th which was one day after austin police got a warrant for her arrest but police haven't found any reservations under armstrong's name u.s marshals are avidly looking for any information on this murder meanwhile wilson's loss continues to be felt in the bicycling community
2: phil go ahead yeah, basically, uh, she ran through the timeline. Uh, she spotted getting dropped off. Now it, she took the plane from, uh, she left, uh, Austin and she went to Houston on the 14th. And then on the 14th, she flew to LaGuardia. She was seen on video surveillance at LaGuardia airport in New York on the 17th, which is a few days later, the arrest warrant is issued issued on the 18th. Uh, she spotted being dropped off at Newark airport in New Jersey, Uh, possibly getting onto a flight under a different name. They don't have her uh, boarding a flight in her own name. Uh, So did she have another ID? I don't know. We don't really know the answer to that. I would think that the video surveillance systems in the airport, that they'd be able to track whether she got into the airport and left the airport, or if she got onto a plane, they might not be saying the whole thing. You know what they know exactly and all the details. Um, It sounds like it could be some type of a ploy to throw off investigators that she goes to an airport, she's seen on surveillance camera, or maybe she did uh, acquire some false identification. However, when you're traveling through airports and, and jumping on planes, you need a credit card as well as identification, and the credit card has to be in that name. Uh, usually there's all kinds of checks and balances that when you go through security. So it's unclear if she actually did board a plane, she may still be in that area, but it does sound like she has some type of assistance in this case, because, you know, you're not going to, uh, unless it was super planned, I mean, you know, stockpiling money and and identification and all these different things. If it was planned in that manner, maybe, but it sounds like this was a spontaneous act where she shot this girl and then she was questioned by the police. And then she was let go based on the information that they said in that report that the warrant uh, had an incorrect date of birth or the warrant was expired, whatever the case may be. They let her go. And then she goes into the wind in the next day or two. So, uh, it sounds like she's got some type of uh, a safety net here that somebody's helping her. Uh, I mean, you need cash and you also need credit cards. You can't stay in a hotel room in these days in, in any kind of a, a real, you know, a regular hotel without having a credit card and ID. That's post 9-11. So uh, where is she and what she's doing? Uh, I guess we're going to find out sometime soon. I'm sure the marshals are all over it. Antonio believes that she
0: had outside help. Very, uh, very possible, Antonio. Yeah,
2: that's a you good know, assumption.
0: Every time I fly, they're all over me. Sometimes I get picked for a special security attention. But now, um well, I, I got
2: hip set off the uh, yeah, metal yeah, that,
0: that too. But yeah. now I, um, I got one of those special cards now, where I can just walk through security. It cost it costs eighty seven bucks, and they pre screen you. And now I just with the number they give me. I ordered my ticket with that, and I go right through security. So TSA
2: uh, pre-check. I I keep saying I'm going to do it. I got to do that. That's it's stuff. worth
0: doing it because yeah. I mean, just just the fact that you got to take off your shoes, take off your belt, take everything right. out of your pockets. Big I'm always hassle. like worried about like getting my wallet ripped off out of one of those buckets as as it's going through the X-ray machine. You know, because yeah, I've absolutely. seen they've done that at Kennedy and LaGuardia. They have these they have these teams of perps that do
2: that. You well, know? it's it's such a crowded area. I could see it happening real easy. You lose track of your stuff. You know, somebody's saying, come over here and your stuff's over there. You turn your back for a second and there goes your watch or your wallet. Paul Mignot says, um, I won't, but it would be
0: difficult just a bit to not let her stay at my place. I won't ever just saying sorry. Yeah. Others <laughs> have suggested that. She is uh, quite uh, beautiful and others have volunteered their um, housing for her.
9: With an urgent search underway for wanted murder suspect, 35-year-old Caitlin Armstrong, her father speaking to ABC News in an exclusive interview. I
5: know how she thinks, and I know what she believes, and I know that she just would not do something like this.
9: But investigators say otherwise, charging her with the shooting death of her alleged romantic rival, rising cycling star Mariah Wilson. There are a
5: lot of unanswered questions. We love you, Katie, and we are going to figure this out.
9: According to court documents, Armstrong's boyfriend, Colin Strickland, told police he was briefly in a relationship with 25-year-old Wilson last year. Investigators say Wilson and Strickland, both pro-cyclists, met up on May 11th. Police say they went swimming together and had dinner before Strickland dropped Wilson off at a friend's home at approximately 8.30 p.m. A short time later, police say this surveillance camera captured a dark SUV matching Armstrong's Jeep Cherokee approaching that apartment her friend later finding her on the bathroom floor with a gunshot wound. It's
3: so incredibly painful for such a tight-knit community, and my reaction is just pain and heartbreaking.
9: For days now, no sign of Armstrong.
6: She was a realtor. Uh, She was a yoga teacher. Uh, So she had personal relationships here in the Austin area. Uh, We hope that eventually, if she had some type of plan, that maybe she would reach out to those associates, and we would receive a tip based upon that.
9: When detectives told Armstrong the surveillance video made things not look too good, they say she nodded her head up and down as if in agreement. That's when investigators say she asked to end the interview and was allowed to leave. The next day, Armstrong's social media accounts were wiped clean, according to the arrest affidavit.
0: It seemed that uh, there may have been some investigative mistake in this case, but uh, we've been accused of pointing fingers at law enforcement a lot, so I'm not going to do it in this one. But they're just uh, let it be known that the potential that there was an investigative mistake, maybe a wrong call that they shouldn't have let her go. I have a problem with this guy, Colin Strickland. He just seems too uh, too innocent. Like he had nothing to do with anything. He skates out of this. He's the fair haired boy. Uh, you know, I, wasn't having, I wasn't having an affair with her. You know, I only kissed her once, you know, one of those guys.
2: Yeah, well, there was uh, definitely a relationship uh, back in October for, I think, about three weeks where they uh, dated and uh, supposedly um, Caitlyn got uh, wind of it. And when she was told about this uh, this three-week affair that she was so enraged, she was actually shaken. So uh, th- I think the rage built in her and when she found out that uh, he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he actually sent her text mes- messages uh, saying that he was somewhere else, that he wasn't with um, Mo, as we call her, uh, uh uh, Mar- Mariah Wilson that he wasn't with her. He said he was somewhere else and she figured it all out. And again, there goes the rage and then she goes to the house. The truck is seen there right around the time that the gunshots are heard within a couple of minutes. So, uh, and then she, she has a, uh, I believe a 40 caliber handgun. Um, and they said that, uh, the gun is the match to the ballistics that was recovered from the victim. So again, uh, is, uh, is Colin involved in this could be, uh, possibly they seem to clear him rather quickly in the beginning. Uh, I don't know if he had a very solid alibi about where he was during the time of the murder, but that still doesn't clear him a hundred percent. He could have been involved in the planning and stuff. I mean, you know, I don't really know. It sounds like it's doubtful that that's the case, but, uh, he did seem to go into the wind when, uh, when uh, uh, Caitlin went into the wind. So again, uh, he, he should be being looked at. You want to cross your your T's and dot your I's in this case.
0: Vet Girl, uh, RW Bus, thank you for the 1999 Super Chat. What does her birth date have to do with the warrant? Apologies, but not sure about that. Thank you. What th- that has to do, Vet Girl, is something called fruits of the poisonous tree doctrine. And that's what the detectives were thinking in this. They were thinking that If any part of their paperwork of the warrant was incorrect, that any evidence they could collect pursuant to that warrant could be thrown out because of the fruits of the poisonous tree doctrine. It's called the exclusionary rule, and that's why. that's pretty Joe, good. Putting I mean, on your Joe Murray hat. Very, <laughs> very, very good.
2: Very I put on my professorial robes right there. I pulled it out of nowhere, you know. <laughs> but but <laughs> that's exactly the case, that, you know, if, if something is incorrect on that warrant, they hold her and she makes a full confession, that could be very, uh, get thrown out in a New York minute. So uh, they exactly. yeah, had not got their eyes and crossed their T's. I guess that's why they allowed her to... Uh, walk out and uh, thinking that she was going to be easy to get. I don't know. Maybe uh, if they did some surveillance on her or not, doesn't seem like they did, but uh, you know, basically people have civil rights and uh, the law says that unless they're, you know, they're arrestable, you can't hold them. She has to leave and they let her go.
6: The track lost the footprint in the sand when she landed there at LaGuardia airport. Yeah. If if Caitlin is out there watching or anyone that is helping her, you know, we ask you to come forward, Uh, have Caitlin or Caitlin yourself surrender to authorities uh, it's just a matter of time. We're constantly working day in and day out, uh, and we'd like to s- safely bring you into custody so that, uh, you know, you have your day in court and uh, you'll be able to tell your side
8: of the story. Hello, and welcome to True Crime Rocket Science, the most authentic
2: the heck Sorry, was that?
0: All, all of a sudden, I, I didn't realize that was part of that. I would not use his material. It was another podcaster, and if uh, he listens. I apologize. I'll be getting with a hit with a copyright the thing on that. I didn't realize that that wasn't his footage that was from a news reporter, but he put it on his podcast. So I'm not gonna use what he has on the podcast. But in any event, you know, she she's in the wind and pretty much she's wanted for this shooting. And were there mistakes made? Yes. Is she a professional criminal that will be able to stay at large or escape this dragnet forever? No. But, you know, something people have stayed unapprehended for
2: a long time. Yeah, obviously, uh, if she did some planning and she has some funds, sounds like she can get a job uh, in a gym or a fitness, uh, you know, facility. Uh, You know, she's a, a yoga instructor. Perhaps she could be a personal trainer. So if she does have another identification, she can actually, you know, blend in with everyday people. However, she'd have to change her appearance because she does have that bright red hair. I think she's got a certain look that kind of stands out and uh, maybe she already did change her appearance. We don't know. Uh, It doesn't seem like she did based on the information from Newark airport. I think if she did change her appearance, they would have said that they're pretty certain that she was at that airport. So again, uh, with all this uh, surveillance technology, video technology, uh, in this day and age, in an airport, I think they're going to pretty much figure out what she did, what her movements were. Uh, so I don't think she's going to be throwing off investigators if that's what her goal was. But uh, and they—they're not saying whether or not she did or didn't get on a on a plane. They said that she didn't get on a plane with her real name. However, she may have had the ID, like we said, and she may have left from water, uh from Newark. I think that's unclear at this point. Bill, your mic, audio. Okay.
0: Yeah, we're not getting sound on this little recording. Let me. Uh, it was very low. It came on, but it was very low. Yeah. Let me see here. We will remove. The wonders moving? of
2: live broadcasting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'll try. I'll try it one more time. If it doesn't come up, the sound doesn't come up, then I'll, I'll eighty-six this and we'll move on. Let's see. Okay, there we go. Volume, Belly, volume. You're muted. I think that one's meant not to be on the air. Anyway, it was just saying like the uh, seven instances and what she did during this case. Uh, we mentioned Colin Strickland. He's still—I don't know if they've been trying to um, grab a hold of him, but uh, he's been in the wind. Also, as far as we know, uh, we're not going to go deeply into this case. But if there are a new, uh, we get new movements on this, we'll absolutely uh, pick it up from uh, where it, where the investigators pick it up.
2: Yeah, I think that if she happens to see our broadcast or if she sees anything on the news. Uh, Caitlin listen to what your father said turn yourself in you can figure it out you'll have your day in court you're not going to live life on the run uh it's time time is just going to run out sooner or later and you're going to get apprehended so uh take your father's words and just uh face the music uh you know, everybody has their uh, day in court. You have the right to uh, face your accuser. And if there's not enough evidence on you, so be it. But uh, at least you can get your family uh, will know where you are. And, you know, you can uh, have visitors in jail, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's the best course of action at this point. And everybody should really take a look at that picture. Uh You know, you never know. She's in the Northeast. She's in the New York and, and um, New Jersey area. So there's a possibility you could run into her and uh you know just call 911 let's go to a quick commercial here You know, folks, one of the
0: big problems uh, lately has been in law enforcement has been that in many jurisdictions, A, they're having a problem getting people to, to uh, join law enforcement and B, in agencies where they have enough personnel, officers are leaving in droves, whether that be New York City officers leaving to go work in Florida or whether it be other jurisdictions leaving their job to a a much more comfortable job, but it can be blamed on um, the whole defund the police movement. The fact that they've taken numerous tools away from the police and made their job so much more difficult. And this is a real phenomena
3: here in, in New York City. I'll play a little bit of this. We've seen the media reports. There's been a historic rise in crime across the country that is only expected to get worse in the hot summer months. But right now, some police unions are sounding the alarm of a nationwide officer shortage. In New York City alone, new data is revealing that 1,500 officers have either resigned or retired so far this year. It's actually closer to 1,600 officers. Uh, that's up nearly 40% from this time last year, the largest mass departure on NYPD record. To help talk about exactly why uh, this wave of resignations is happening, I'm joined right now by retired NYPD detective and professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, Michael Alcazar. Thank you for being with us. Uh, First of all, I know the NYPD is pushing back on those numbers from the police union, saying that departures are only slightly higher than the previous year in 2021 but with the rise in crime wouldn't this still point to a very dangerous situation
6: yeah this is not the time to lose police officers uh historically summer months are always the highs in crime highs in shootings highs in homicides uh we're in track to hit that also and we have we're losing a lot of police officers we, we also have poor recruitment i had Students that I teach in John Jay that normally are usually excited to get on the police department. This past April, I had three students that were supposed to go into the police academy, and they turned it down. Uh, They're apprehensive. They're not sure if it's something they want to do anymore, and and they're scared. They're asking me for advice, and I don't give advice to my students. That's a decision. That's a life decision they have to make for themselves. If they're not ready, uh, I don't recommend they go into it.
3: In terms of uh, a lot of departments actually pointing to the great resignation, you know, of course we're seeing more officers leave because people of every industry are leaving and retiring. But from what you're seeing, the numbers you're seeing, are more police officers and members of law enforcement retiring earlier? Because when you are a police officer, typically you you stay in it. You stay in it for decades. But are we seeing more officers actually turn in their badges before they would typically
6: yeah it's something i've actually never experienced i've heard of where police officers are actually quitting in the police academy quitting before they hit their 20 years and then when you have the senior people that are eligible for retirement meaning they've done their 20 years like myself i did 30 and i stayed because i enjoyed the job Uh, when they're eligible to retire they retire they don't want to play pension roulette they're not sure if they're going to get the backing of the department the city council pretty much makes everything uh, like for the criminal, they don't support the police officers. They don't know if police officers don't know if qualified immunity is on the table. Do they have the protections? If they do their work properly legally, are they going to be indemnified by the police department? And that's something they're asking themselves. So if they're not sure they're leaving, they're retiring, and we're losing a lot of senior police officers that are valuable in training new young police officers.
3: In terms of those uh, officers leaving at record numbers, we've seen the same thing happen here uh, in Chicago where News Nation is based. Uh, Officers who are not being recruited at the same level in Oakland, California, we're seeing similar situations where the uh, department does not feel supported by uh, the council members or the local community. Is there anything that can be done to turn this around?
6: Well, in Philadelphia, they're going through the same thing. And I heard that they're thinking about bringing back retired police officers meaning the retired police officers can collect their pension and then go back to work and earn a salary and that sounds like desperation to me i don't know if the, the new york city police department's thinking something like that uh but that's something they can look into uh, i don't know if police officers are willing to come back from retirement uh police officers in new york are underpaid they're underpaid and they're overworked because this shortage of police officers Meaning now they have to answer more radio runs, more 911 calls where the average police officer in NYPD to handle like maybe eight to 10 jobs during their tour. I heard they're handling like 30 to 40 jobs and it's a very wow. stressful job to begin with. And it's daunting and, and it's it's bad on their their mental and, and physical welfare. So I think a lot of people, it's, to them, it's become just a job and it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And their families don't want to do it anymore.
3: Right. And I would I would love to keep talking with you. I would imagine the situation is different depending upon whether you live in a very large city like the ones we spoke about. Or maybe if you live in and work in a community that's smaller, more rural, Uh, but 40 percent increase in robberies in the city of New York, uh, nearly 15 percent increase in rapes. Uh, Obviously, police are busier than ever and they need more officers on the force than ever, according to those statistics. Michael, thank you so much for being with us this morning.
0: You know, I just want to add something to that. Many of the uh, suburban police departments, uh, are, you know, right around here, in Nassau, Suffolk County, um, maybe even Yonkers, Westchester. I don't believe they have the same problems uh, or to the level that New York City has. I think, A, they treat their officers better. B, they have better government. The New York City Council, you might as well be um, Mao Tung. Those people are, the, are so far left, it's outrageous. They have no concept of what police work is. Every possible tool they can take away from police, they take it away. They made this insane law called the diaphragm law, where if a police officer puts his knee on the back of a perpetrator in the course of an arrest, he can be arrested, she he or she can be arrested for a, an assault, misdemeanor. I mean, that is just total, I mean, where did these idiots get this idea? And you know what? I, I have a good idea. All politicians that make these laws, all security, all armed sh- security should be removed from all politicians. Let them walk around the same city that civilians walk around with no protection. Meanwhile, they're getting police protection. Take it away from them. They don't need it. They obviously don't need it because the city's so safe, you know. And he, he mentioned even the um, well, he didn't even mention bail reform. Outrageous, just totally outrageous. These decarceral policies, which means not arresting people, not putting people in prison or in jail, there being no teeth behind the law, no punishment behind the law. Give them programs, send them to counseling. This is really feel good nonsense that does not solve your crime problems and makes the job 10 times harder for that police officer when he arrests someone and the next day sees the guy back out on the street, arrest him again and sees him out on the street the next day. It's, it's just such a pathetic situation. And I don't blame officers for leaving, but as I said, some of these suburban police departments, I think they do it a lot better than New York City because the politics favor these suburban police departments.
2: Billy, uh, I'm just going to back up the point that you just made. When we had Patrick Ryder on, the police commissioner of Nassau County, when that diaphragm law first went into effect, he told his officers, now we border Nassau County in Queens. So he told his officers, no longer can you go into the city to make an arrest. So if someone is running from the police and they're in Nassau County and they go over the border, he was stopping his officers from going after them. Because if they start a struggle and they put their knee in the guy's back or they uh, compressed the guy's chest while they're handcuffing the guy in, in, a, in a struggle, uh, you could be charged with a, a crime. So he he was actually stopping his offices from going into the city to apprehend uh, perpetrators of uh, specific crimes, uh, whatever it was. So uh, that's uh, just a backup to show that, listen, uh, if you back the cops up, I'm not saying if the cops do something wrong, flagrantly wrong, if they kill somebody when they shouldn't have that you back them up. That's not what I'm saying. But if the if the cops are out there doing a job and they're doing the dirty work and they're making arrests and they're bringing crime down, you have to back them. The The, the laws don't back the police officers in New York City. The politicians and politicians in New York City do not uh, back the police officers. So, again, uh, you have so a, not a, only do I they not not only do
0: they not back them, they're antagonistic toward the police. They dislike the police. We had this clown mayor for eight years, de Blasio. Who actually sided with the protesters in the protest sided can you imagine a mayor that sides with the protesters against the, his police force that's outrageous
2: Absolutely, Billy. And anytime there's any kind of a questionable incident involving the police and and civilians, instead of uh, uh, taking a side immediately like de Blasio did on numerous occasions, you have to call for calm and wait for the investigation. There are checks and balances within the police department, internal affairs, you got the prosecutors, uh, police involved shootings are now investigated by the attorney general of the state. So wait and let's see what the investigation reveals and the chips fall where they're going to fall. And that's the right way to do things and call for calm instead of accelerating these insane, uh, protests and all this outcry for, the defund the police. It's all a bunch of nonsense. And Bill, real quick, right before we went on the air, I sent you a video. There was actually a shooting outside of the 81st precinct where they were shooting over police cars right in front of a police station. They're not afraid to get into gun battles on the street. It looked like gang bangers. It's all kind of created,
0: gun. all created by politicians. All of it. Absolutely.
7: 30 million interactions between law enforcement and americans on an annual basis but everyone's focused on the three percent results in some type of force and the less than one percent where a gun is actually drawn because of the advent of the body camera we think we know what a law enforcement officer goes through we don't but that's where we're here with the nassau county police department one of the top police departments in the country to talk with commissioner pat Ryder. commissioner thanks so much so you have Police reform being discussed at the highest end of Washington. Bipartisan agreement. Something's
8: coming down. There's a lot of Yeah, there's a lot of reform that is good and we we can always adjust. We can always do better. But a lot of times when you take the tools away from officers, officers get hurt. We're going to show you the training that our officers go through daily in different tactical situations and, and scenarios out there in the street. And hopefully you'll get a better understanding. You'll get the truth, as you said earlier, about what we go through.
7: Commissioner, nobody talks about police reform and doesn't bring up no-knock warrants. We're going to get rid of no-knock warrants after what happened with Breonna Taylor. You have a scenario here that talks about the pluses and the minuses of no-knock warrants.
8: Right. We're going to run you through the tactical training house. We're going to show you a a room that we're going to hit. It's got drugs, guns, MS-13 gang members in in that room. If we do it as a non-dynamic entry, we get shot at. They get shot at. That's not what we want. By doing a no-knock warrant, it gives us that advantage that they don't get to their weapons and we get to secure them. It keeps everybody safe.
9: Nassau County Police! Nassau County okay. Who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Hands on your back. Nassau County Police. Hands
8: free up. What do I do? If you got a knock, That's a heads up, isn't it? Absolutely. What people have to remember is that we train to do a no-knock warrant to keep not only us safe, but keep the perpetrator safe. We're coming in. We know he's a drug dealer. We know he's got guns. We don't want to shoot him. What's the dangers? What's the possibilities around going through and hitting somebody in another apartment? Right. All of this comes into play, and that's why we do a full intelligence workup we run through scenarios tactically. We'll run you through a scenario now where we're going to show you how, if we don't knock, if we, I mean, if we do knock and give notice, you'll see the difference now. Okay. They wake up. Hey girl. Okay. Oh God, 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 God,
9: Stay there, stay, 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 stay there. Stay. I'm gonna go high. Yeah, stay there. Oh, wait, 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 wait,
8: Okay. 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 On, the on the ground, on the ground. All right, get behind Shots fired. Shots fired. Subject down. Medical.
7: Right. Police reform comes out of Washington.
8: That very likely could be the scenario way too often. You saw the same scenario, same position, same timing, everything. The difference is we got shot at and the perp got shot. He got wounded and possibly could die. Every training scenario that we have is an event that happens somewhere in the country. Some law enforcement interaction. We learn from our mistakes. History teaches us to do better.
7: Another scenario that you've brought to our attention, you've been surveilling what could be drug or gang uh, activity. You've been watching this for hours. You're waiting for someone to come out. This way you don't have to put everybody at risk and go in. Come on,
8: man. So once they're out of here, then the next stage moves in to execute the warrant. I'm seeing the coordination. There's a lot of training that goes on here. Yeah, we're one of the lucky ones. So we train Delhi.
7: And that's the key. You see some of these small departments in these smaller towns across this huge country. And they just don't have the same training. They don't have the same resources, but yet the same stakes,
8: right? Training should be universal. That's one of the things that if they're going to look at reform around the country, You have to train everybody to the same level. If you're gonna do human infrastructure, why not police infrastructure in order to get the training universal? It's not a time to defund, it's a time to invest. When you invest in policing and you train right, you'll get the better outcome.
0: Great, you know, we had him on our show Mike Billy, Mike. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, we had him on the show and Patrick Ryder, great guy, former NYPD cop, great police commissioner. We we discussed some of these same issues that he's discussing in this video. And uh, we spoke about the uh, Valde, Texas shooting and the fact that, uh, you know, we as we all know, the police didn't go in as young kids were getting murdered by the active shooter. And he he talked about the training and he talked about many things. And he really didn't want to give a beating to the police department to beat them down. But a lot of this is training. And, uh, you know, I had mentioned that politicians always like to point to training. However, they never want to come up with the money because training costs a lot of money. It costs a hell of a lot of money. Training also takes cops off the road and they're not interested in taking cops off the road. They think cops are machines that should always be on the road. So these are some of the questions we had asked him.
2: Yeah, he's an impressive guy, as you could see, uh, as a police commissioner in Nassau County. He's doing a hell of a job. I had no idea you were going to play that tape, Billy. I didn't know what you were going to put up. And I brought him up two times in conversation tonight. He's really uh, a very hands-on police commissioner. Tip my hat to him. Uh, Excellent, excellent uh, job that he showed uh, about no-knock warrants. And uh, when we had him on, we we're talking about the Uvalde thing. He made some terrific points that uh, he used statistics, basically, that some of uh, most of the shootings in schools happen in two to three minutes. And the response time is three to five minutes. So he wanted to say, uh, bring out the point of, of uh, slowing down the shooter so that way the police could get there, interdict them and, and stop the threat. Unfortunately, that didn't happen in Uvalde, Texas, but he did bring up a lot of good points of uh different ways to slow down the shooter by hardening the targets, different things like that. So uh, I think that uh, he really should be, uh, he should be up on the Hill testifying in front of Congress about what to do about uh, these school shootings and, and, and these mass shootings.
0: You know, Phil, that's part of the arrogance of politicians. They don't want to listen to experts. They, they think they are the experts. Exactly. They make the laws. They're the experts, but, they are not the experts. Most of them don't know what the hell they're talking about, as is seen in the big cities. When these idiots and city councils make these laws that are just outrageous, they hamstrung the police and they endanger the police. You need someone like Patrick Ryder standing up in front of Congress and talking about the same things he spoke about tonight and talking about the same things he spoke about on our show in regards to
2: uh, responding to active shooters. Unfortunately, most politicians today, they have knee-jerk reaction to things that are happening in media only for one reason, to get reelected, to stay in office, to keep the cash cow, giving them money. That's what their agenda is, both Republican and Democrat. I have no, uh, you know, I don't I don't play one side or the other. I am for common sense politics. You don't see much of that today. Uh, Some of these politicians that are talking about outlawing guns and different things, they don't even know which end of the gun the bullet comes out of. They're they're just completely moronic to firearms. You have an expert like Patrick Ryder, like you said, someone like that should be up there giving ideas and then come together with a solution to some of these problems. I think that uh, he wasn't even so much in favor of having uh, an armed person at the schools uh, throughout the country because he said if someone really wanted a plan, they take out the guard by uh, sneaking up on him or whatever it is. And now they have another gun. So he wasn't so much in favor of that, but he was in favor of hardening the targets. I think that's very, very critical in the uh, mass shootings and the school shootings in this country.
0: 100% folks. That's about all we have for you tonight. You know, we threw this show together. We're trying to get back on track to doing a couple shows a week. I was down for a week. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, We try to bring you informative uh, information from the point of view of the police. And uh, guys, I just want you to have a great night and uh, stay safe out there. Stay safe, everyone. And Billy, feel good. Thanks, man. One episode just saying enough.